going back over the details, he is doing a thoughts of his profound meaning of what Jesus had done. And 90% of the material in the Gospel of John is unique to John. And so we're going to be this summer taking a look at several things that John, the disciple of Jesus, the apostle, that he felt were good news to bring to us today. So this morning we're going to look at John chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm sure this is a familiar story to you if you've been in uh, church or read the Bible very much. But this is a unique story only in the book of John. And John chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now Nicodemus was a common name in that day. uh, But it says that he was a Pharisee. And what we know about the Pharisees is they were scribes, they were people who knew the Old Testament, and they were people who were very prideful about that. When you read the other stories of Jesus' interaction with the Pharisees, you realize how prideful that they were. And then he goes at them and points out their corruption too, but not in this passage. Uh, It says that he was a member of the ruling Jewish council, which is called the Sanhedrin, which was both political and religious. Now, I think we all know how toxic it is when you mix politics and religion, right? I think we've kind of had an example of that over the last year in all of our lives. But this Sanhedrin was a mix of the political and the religious. And so as the story goes, in verse 2, it says, He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. So he came to Jesus at night, and he called him Rabbi. Well, there are two things there. The word rabbi, Jesus was not a trained rabbi. He was a carpenter. He was a layperson. He wasn't one of the Pharisees. But here's the Pharisee who calls him rabbi or teacher. So he shows respect for Jesus. And he came at night. Most of all of the other encounters of Jesus with Pharisees were out in the public seeking to entrap him in some way and prove him to be wrong. But this man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus at night, privately. And it seems like in reading this passage, what makes him different than the other Pharisees is that he was sincere. He was not caught up in the politics of the day. He was not trying to prove that I'm right and Jesus is wrong. He was coming actually seeking the truth. And there are two other passages that John writes about that are not written in the other Gospels about Nicodemus. In John chapter 7 verse 50, there's a a plot among the Pharisees to kill Jesus, to to take him out. And uh, Nicodemus stood up and said, wait a minute, no, we don't do that. And then at the end of the Gospel, in verse 19... After Jesus was crucified, Nicodemus came to the tomb with Joseph of Arimathea with burial spices. 
And so John kind of gives us a little look into the life of Nicodemus, of what has made him maybe different than the other Pharisees that are scattered throughout the, uh, the, the New Testament, the Gospels. And notice in this verse, he says that he believes Jesus was a teacher and that God was with him. And, you know, when we come across people every day and if we take an analysis of them and say, well, what do you think about Jesus? I think people in this country and maybe in other countries around the world, they would say, well, Jesus was a teacher and somehow God was with him. And so Nicodemus was not some one who was trying to prove a point. He was someone who, this is what he thought about Jesus, and he came to see him at night. And uh, maybe there's some of you here today that as far as you could go, here is to say, well, Jesus was a teacher, and somehow God was with him. And I know that's a starting point for many people as they begin to understand who Jesus is. And uh, this week ago, I was in North Carolina, and I was training college students to go to North Africa and to Central Asia to talk to, talk to Muslim young people about their faith in Jesus. And... Uh, one of the things that we know about the Muslim folks is they have an appreciation for the Old Testament and the prophets of the Old Testament, and that um, they've heard of Jesus, but they really don't have an accurate understanding of Jesus. And so as I was training these young people to go to North Africa and to Central Asia, one of the things I tried to communicate to them was, What's important is one conversation at a time. You might not make it all the way through just one conversation, but that's a starting point. And you may not finish that conversation. Someone may come along after you who you don't know and have a conversation that builds on them to where there's a link that helps them begin to connect with Jesus. And I guess I would say the same thing to you and to me, that the world God has placed us in is a place where we're most effective when we begin one conversation at a time with people, that we take them where they are and we help move them toward Jesus and help them understand the significance of Jesus. And and this conversation with Nicodemus, is one conversation that Jesus had with him. And so in verse 3, Jesus replied to him, him saying that uh, you're a good teacher and God's somehow with you. He said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. He said, if you, Nicodemus, if you really want to see the kingdom of God, If you really want to know God personally, then you must be born again. And the word born again has a double meaning. Now, this is as far as I'm going to go into the Greek. But Thayer's Greek Dictionary or Lexicon says that the word uh, again 
is the, I think we've got it on the screen, is the word aothen. Now, that word has two or three meanings. And when Jesus used it with Nicodemus, uh, Nicodemus didn't know what meaning it was. It's like all language that you hear a word and you assume that that's what it means until it's clarified that that's a different meaning. And so one meaning would be from above. You've got to be born from above, from a higher place of things which come from heaven or God. And another meaning is that born again would be from the first, from the beginning, from the very first. That you go back to the very beginning and you start over again. And the third verse is anew or over again, that you need to be renewed. Well, which of these was Nicodemus thinking when Jesus said you must be born again? Well, the next verse tells us, verse 4. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So Nicodemus was thinking about childbirth. Oh, you've got to go back and be back into your mother. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's absurd. That's impossible was in his thoughts. But what Jesus was speaking about was a spiritual rebirth, a birth from above, something that only God can do to someone. So Jesus answered him and said, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So Water would be the physical birth. Spirit would be the birth from above, the spiritual birth. And notice that Jesus says, the spirit gives birth to spirit. Now, this is kind of a a rabbit trail. We're not going to go too far down. But the word spirit is the Holy Spirit. You may have someone come to your door, knock on your door and try to talk to you. Uh, who doesn't use the same Bible we use. And so they may say to you, well, find the word Trinity in the Bible. And so you get out your Bible and you look and, gee, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. The word Trinity really didn't happen until 300 and 400 AD as people were trying to put words to uh, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, three persons, one essence, And uh, we see that the word Trinity is not found in the Bible, but the idea of Trinity is found all over the Bible. And it's found here in Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus because he talks about the Spirit. So we have Jesus the Son talking about the Spirit. And uh, he's saying to him, there are two realities. There's a physical reality and there's a spiritual reality. And unless you're born from above, you'll never connect with that spiritual reality. In verse 5 and 6, Jesus is showing him what the word born again means. It means born from above, not a physical birth, but a spiritual reverse. Verse 7, Jesus said, 
you should not be surprised at my saying. Now, this is something until I dove into this passage the past couple of weeks that I'd never seen before in this gospel. But here Jesus is talking to a sincere Pharisee, and Jesus, the commentary said that he's chiding them. And I think nobody knows what the word chiding means anymore. But what it means is Jesus was just kind of poking at him. Jesus was just saying, hey, hey, you ought to know this. What's with you? You ought to know this. And uh, he continues on and says, You should not be surprised my saying, you must be born from above. And the uh, New English translation gets this right. Born from above. That's how it translates it. Not a confusing born again, but very clear born from above. When I was growing up, this phrase was around. I don't know if you've seen it before. I haven't heard it in years. It just popped into my head. And uh, it says this. If you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. How many of you have heard that phrase before? Okay, that's what I thought. It's really old. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. And so what it means is that if you're born once, just uh, of the physical birth, then you die twice. You You die a physical death and you die a spiritual death. But if you're born twice, you're born physically and then you're born from above, you're born spiritually, then you only die once. A physical death, unless Jesus returns and we don't die and we go to be with him. And so this is what Jesus was getting at. He was getting at the necessity of having this being born again in order to know God and see God. Verse 8, he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. So he compares the wind and the Spirit. And he's saying they're both invisible. You can't see them. But you can observe the effect that they have. You can know that the wind blew over your trash cans. And you can also know that the Holy Spirit has let you be born from above because something has changed on the inside. So Nicodemus in verse 9 very honestly asks this question. He says, how can this be? This is really hard to understand. It's spiritual. It's not natural. And he just could not grasp what Jesus was saying. So Jesus in verse 10 says this, You are Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things. Okay, here's the double poke. He pokes him again. You know, Jesus is gentle. He's kind, but he's also telling the truth. Jesus stands for the truth, and he doesn't want anyone to misunderstand what's true. And this Pharisee, this guy who had all this religious knowledge, had missed the truth, and Jesus kind of pokes him. And I'm sure what he was poking in Nicodemus was Nicodemus's pride. 
Have you known experts on something and you try to teach them something? You know, pride comes up. It's like, ah, and I think that's what Jesus was pushing on. This man's pride that he would let go of what he already knew and open himself to what Jesus is saying. Verse 11 through 13. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. Now, who's we? We would be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lived, Jesus lived in communion, community. He was never separated from the Father, Son, and Spirit, except at the cross. He was in unity with him. He says, we, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man. And that phrase, Son of Man, would have resonated with Nicodemus because in Daniel, the Messiah is called the Son of Man. And so it's very clear to Jesus that Nicodemus did not believe. And you know, it's so easy when we're having conversation with really nice people who are religious to assume that they believe. But Jesus didn't. He wanted to go directly to the core he wanted, he wanted Nicodemus to really understand the difference between nice and being born from above. And so he pulls out, verses three, 14 and 15, a story from the Old Testament that he knows Nicodemus is going to connect with. And he says this, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone, now, now watch this, everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. A snake story from Numbers chapter 21. Well, let me summarize this story. The children of Israel, as usual, were not cooperating with God. And so as a consequence, venomous snakes were released in order to get them to turn to God. And they were miserable. They were frightened because of all these snakes. And uh, their friends and people were dying. Lots of people were dying from these snakes. And so Moses goes to God and he says, God, please help these people. And God said, okay, well, if you will make a bronze snake and put it up on a pole then anyone who gets bitten by a snake and they look to that bronze snake, they will be healed. And so that's exactly what happened. And so in the Old Testament, Moses did this snake on a pole and people are bitten by a snake and they gaze at that pole and they are healed. They gaze at that snake. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, just as Moses was lifted up, so will I be lifted up. And he uses the word lifted up three times in the book of John. He says, I will be lifted up and everyone who looks at me, everyone who believes in me 
will have eternal life. They will be healed of what is harming them. Well, this is the end of the red letter story. Do you have a red letter Bible? Do you know what a red letter Bible is? The red letters are the words of Jesus. The black letters are what other people are saying or what other or a reflection on what Jesus is saying. Well, this is the end of the red letter part. And this is where John proclaims, I've got good news. You believe in order to have eternal life. Now, believing is more than just intellectual assent. If you're laying on the ground and a snake's bitten you, and it's like, okay, I, I believe... Well, it's not until you actually look at that snake and put your trust in that that they would be healed. And see, to believe is trust in and relying on Jesus. What God is, what Jesus was calling Nicodemus to do is put aside all your religion, all of your rules, and just look to me. And believe in me. And you'll be born from above and you'll have eternal life. And when we hear eternal life in our era, eternal life we think of the afterlife. But the eternal life as Jesus expressed it and lived it in his day was a quality of life as a result of knowing God. That as you are born from above, you have this incredible ability to know God personally. Dallas Willard in his book, Divine Conspiracy, kind of says, well, what does eternal life look like now? We kind of know what it might look like in heaven, although we're probably wrong about that. It'll be even better than that. But what does it look like now? He lists five things, and I've reworded these. It's, first of all, confidence in and reliance on Jesus. It's like looking to Jesus, hanging on the cross, and saying, you know what? I believe you paid for my sins. I trust you. I rely on you. It's not about me and my good works. It's about you, Jesus, and what you did. And that's then eternal life comes into us, followed by a desire to follow him, living in and for the kingdom of God. And we have all these stories throughout the rest of the New Testament of people who put their trust in God, and then they began to follow him. The first thing they did was they tried to be baptized. They asked to be baptized. And baptism is a first step for folks in eternal life. And if you've not yet been baptized, then you ought to consider it. Because baptism is saying to the whole world, look, I'm trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone. And then the third thing is from his abundance, living a life of obedience. That obedience follows this life from above because we know God and we're filled with his abundance in us. Therefore, we obey. We do what he wants to do because it makes sense and it's right and it works to obey him. And fourth, experience an inner transformation of our hearts and souls. And this morning as I was praying over this, I thought of John Newton 
in the 1700s. I did not know John Newton, just for you kids. But John Newton wrote the song, Amazing Grace, that we sing. And he was a slave trader before he came to Christ. And he's, this is a famous quote that he had, and you may have heard it before. He said, I'm not who I ought to be. I'm not who I want to be. I'm not who I hope to be. But thank God, I'm not what I used to be. And see, that's the inner transformation. God begins to change us from the inside. And then uh, the final progress of eternal life is receiving from him the power to work the works of his kingdom. Receiving the power to give testimony. Receiving the power to know him. And so then John, after the red letter uh, part, he reflects on what Jesus said. And John 3.16, the most famous verse probably in the New Testament, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That you believe in Jesus and you receive eternal life. As a gift, not something that's earned, but something that Jesus gives to you because of his death. There's no evidence in this passage that Nicodemus believed in Jesus or was born from above as a result of this one conversation. But like many conversations you and I have with people who are not yet followers of Jesus, one conversation is a link in that chain that many other conversations might fill in. And help them to know Christ. Nicodemus's problem was not simply that he was a prideful sinner. His problem was that he was spiritually dead. He knew the Old Testament, but he was dead. He needed the life and forgiveness that only Jesus could give him. And though it's not explicit in this passage, I think his pride stood between him and believing in Jesus. Have you ever met prideful people? Uh, are you one? Uh, so here's what I see. That prideful people don't want to admit that they're wrong. They don't want to admit that they're a sinner. And secondly, they think they're good enough without Jesus. Do you know folks like that? Is that how you've been thinking? Maybe some people here in this room or some of you online or in the same place Nicodemus was, that Jesus is kind of poking at your pride. And you're thinking, well, I think I can take care of myself. I think I'm good enough. And Jesus is saying, you're dead. You need to be born from above. You need the life that comes from God because you're dead. And see, Jesus answered his question on the cross, how could this be? Jesus showed the whole world how it could be because he was going to be killed on the cross for our sins. And then the life of God came and resurrected Jesus from the dead. And so I want to give you an ability, both in this house and online, to put your faith and rely on Jesus Christ to believe in him. And I've written a little prayer out, and I want you to read it on your screen. 
And then I want us to pray. It's simply this, God, I admit I'm prideful. I admit that I'm wrong and I've sinned against you and other people. I believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for my sins and then rose again. Please forgive me for my pride and sins. I receive you, Jesus, as the only one who can forgive me and lead me through life. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. So I want us to pray. And I want to lead in this prayer. And if this is in your heart in this room, or for those of you that are watching online, I invite you to just pray along in your heart as I pray this to God. Lord, we just come to you and we, we admit, I am prideful. I admit that I'm wrong and have sinned against you and other people. Today, I believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for my sins and then rose again. Please forgive me for my pride and sins. I receive you, Jesus, as the only one who can forgive me and lead me through life. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. In the first chapter of John, he wrote these words. He said, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. You see, you believe in him and you receive eternal life. If you prayed that prayer with me and you've never prayed it before, I just want to say congratulations You are part of the kingdom of God right now. You've been born from above. And would you let us know? Because your brothers and sisters, the family of God, want to help you to grow. And if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, would you email tim at newcovchurch.org? Tim at newcovchurch.org. Tim would, would love to know you made that commitment today, and he would like to help you to take those next steps in following Jesus. And if you're here in this room today, you don't have to email Tim because Tim's sitting right over here. We're going to sing a song, The Stand, and we will stand, of course, to sing The Stand. But you know what you can do? You can slip out and walk over to Tim right over here. And you can say to him, Tim, I prayed that prayer. You say, well, that would hurt my pride. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, we have nothing to be proud of. But it's Jesus who we need. Maybe you'd want to get across here and say, Tim, I want to be baptized. Maybe you just want to tell Tim something besides, Tim, I love you, because everyone would line up in that line. And so we're going to stand together, and I'm going to ask you to respond if God has spoken to you. And if, you, if, he, if you're already a believer, as we sing this song, that you would ask God to give you the power to have conversations with other people this week. So let's stand together as Dane leads us in this song.